Hey all, quick note, in between the short film that we are discussing premieres at Destiny City Film Festival on March 5th, 2022. So if, as you are listening to this, March 5th hasn't come up and you are able to, I would definitely recommend showing up at Destiny City Film Festival on March 5th in Tacoma, Washington to watch the premiere of this project. I will link that in the description and on with the show. My name is J.D. Henning, and you're listening to Cheat the Camera, a podcast about short films and those who make them. Today, I'm talking with Lindy Bustet about In Between, as well as the program that birthed it. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Lindy, and give the audience a short introduction to your project. Hi, uh, I'm Lindy Bustet. Thank you for having me today. Uh, I am the writer, well, co-writer and director of In Between, which is a short film that was uh, came about out of the SHARE screenwriting program that I teach at the Washington State Women's Prison. Yeah, and it is, uh, I mean, both the the film itself as well as the program are just really unique. I was wondering if you could uh, give a little bit of an introduction to sort of the log line of the short itself as well as the process that uh, created it. Sure. So um, the story is about a young woman in uh, the 80s who, well, in the film kind of, you know, we're an independent film, so we kind of didn't do full <laughs> period piece. Uh, but it's about, it. it's based on a story of a young woman who is uh, biracial and she's uh, being raised in an all-white family and uh, her all-white family. And she uh, comes to Seattle in the 80s and for the first time experiences the systematic uh uh, racial segregation um, that happened in Seattle, where um, she couldn't attend the same school as her white sister. She had to be bused to a different school for um, where where they f- they felt the the racially diverse should go. So it's kind of about that journey and her coming from London to Seattle uh, and learning about what does it mean in America to be black. Yeah, yeah, and it is. Uh, the the project itself is is beautiful. As I was watching it, I was thinking this is one of the sort of the kindest, sort of almost roundest film projects that I think I've ever seen. It's just very very kind to all of the characters who are in it, and and it makes sense because it this project was uh, you know sort of a, a what if of what we hope will happen to a person in this sort of situation. Is that about correct? Yeah, I mean, probably we weren't super kind to the school board. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, we, we we definitely uh, did pick the school board in, a, in not so great of a light, uh, literally true. and figuratively. It was very green, <laughs> harsh, uh, fluorescent lighting. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you know, Lisa, who uh, was a, is a student in my program, she wanted to take a story that happened to her, and this happened mm-hmm. to her um, in the in the late '80s. She came from London to mm-hmm. Seattle and experienced this, but she wanted the power to kind of change the ending because she felt this was a time in her life that kind of set her on a path. Um, that ultimately led her to prison. And she wanted to tell a story, hopefully, like what if if maybe this could have happened this way, mm-hmm. would that have, have saved her from a lot of anguish of trying to figure out who she is racially in, in this 
country um, in that time. So yeah. I really felt it was a story that a lot of people could relate to, um, as especially as we get older. We're always thinking about, you know, what were those moments that kind of like led us to where we are and having the power to be able to change that story can that uh, positively impact ourselves in the current present. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, yeah, it's just a, a, a beautiful sort of film project. Uh, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the screenwriting program, uh, you know, how it came to be and uh, what it looks like and how you came to meet Lisa through the program. Sure. So uh, the film school, which is uh, a screenwriting focused school in Seattle, uh, they were looking to expand a program and they were exploring um, doing a program at the the, uh, the women's prison in Gig Harbor. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine was part of that exploration and she reached out to me and she's like, hey, we're you know, thinking about doing this program. Would you be interested in helping us get it going? And I was like, yes, please. Um, and as a lot of things happen in my life, I join a program and then I end up running the program, um, <laughs> because of, of various things. And I'm just a, you know, I'm a producer, um, and mm -hmm. I, you know, I like to make things succeed and, and take off. And so we started in, um, late 2018 and, uh, basically it was a 12 week screenwriting program. And, uh, we go through kind of the process of like how movies, uh, stories are created. And then we, you know, the goal is to help them, uh, write a short film by the end of the class. Mm -hmm. And Lisa was in that very first class. I could tell right away that, um, she was very eager to, uh, to do this, you know, to do this work. She kind of mm -hmm. came into the program being a creative writer already. So she was already kind of like geared towards, um, you know, being a writer and crafting stories this way. And so she basically like at, as, at the end of that 12 week class, we weren't quite um, finished with her short film, uh, and in writing it. And so she just kind of like kept retaking the class. So <laughs> I ended up having oh. <laughs> her for over the course of a year and just helping her further develop this script, also helping her, um, start a feature. Um, and, you know, we just really worked together and she kind of was, uh, you know, every time I went to class, I was updating her as we were looking to make this film because mm -hmm. I asked her, you know, would you want, would you uh, be comfortable if I made this into an actual short film? She was very um, much a part of that process and a part. So like I kind of felt like as I was directing it, I was kind of directing it with Lisa next to me, even though she wasn't mm -hmm. physically there, just mm -hmm. because we talked so much about what she wanted um, mm -hmm. the story to be and to feel and that sort of thing. So I really felt like I was more a conduit rather than um, just, you know, taking the story and directing it uh, for myself. So, yeah, so the program and then, you know, unfortunately, the pandemic uh, right. came and we managed to film this this short film in February of 2020. Oh, and wow. I was um, literally going back and I had one class where I could take her, I had printed out stills from the shoot um, to show her. And I was able to like take, have one class where I took uh, took those stills and I showed her, she was so excited um, to see it kind of come alive. And then everything shut down. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, yeah, and in that process, I kind of, you know, we've, the, the program has um, 
you know, we're just trying to figure out ways to grow it and have it be in other institutions once things start. And we want to go back to the women's prison once things open back mm-hmm. up again. Mm-hmm. And so we've turned, we've created a name for the program, which is called Share, which is mm. screenwriting for healing, self-actualization, redemption, and empathy. And um, we're working on growing it into other other places so that we can do this work because it really it was kind of like this, this idea. And it really kind of was came, came as we were teaching the classes, like, okay, this is something, this is working. This is doing what we thought it was going to do and so much more. So we really want to continue to grow the program. Yeah. It's just a really cool concept. And, uh, it sounds like it was, uh, you know, you had the reception that you were hoping for. What is sort of, uh, the goal that you have uh, in mind for people who who go through the SHARE program? Yeah, not everyone who comes through the SHARE program is going to come out a screenwriter. And mm-hmm. that isn't the main goal. Uh, the main goal is there is something about how you learn about humanity and yourself mm-hmm. when you develop a script. Uh, when you craft a story into a screenplay, mm-hmm. you have to think not only about the hero, you have to think about the the antagonist, the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to think about all the characters that uh, influence what the hero does. And when you take uh, something that, that happened to you in life and you start to see yourself as the hero of the story and you start mm-hmm. to think about your relationships and your power in the world and how you do have still have the power to um, affect your life in a positive way, the whether or not you actually write a screenplay is just like icing on the cake. You are learning so much about yourself and Mm -hmm. the world around you through the process that really that is the goal. Like, how do we how do we think about teaching um, healing and empathy uh, and redemption just through kind of like the Mary Poppins spoonful of sugar, like movies are magic movies or right. everyone can, can talk about movies and relate to movies. So how do we just use that as a tool to get in the door, the other things that will, that will help you hopefully lead a better life? Yeah, that's, uh, it's just a really great idea. I, I know that certainly for me, particularly in the past couple of years of the pandemic, writing has uh, you know, it's something that you can always do and being able to being able to view this world through sort of the magical realism inherent in filmmaking has been uh, a refuge and a way to, uh, you know, a way to process through things without having to, uh, you know, process through the, the actual concrete and uh, pollution sort of reality that we live in. So that that totally makes a lot of sense for me. Uh, and talking a little bit about in between, you know, the project is just, you know, it's just, it's beautiful. I thought the animation was uh, really a great uh, added touch. Uh, what, what was the production process like itself? Yeah, well, luckily, you know, I've been making movies for a while. Um, you know, this is, this is not my first rodeo, so I should mm-hmm. like put that out there because a lot of times, you know, when you're a when you're an upcoming filmmaker and you listen to these interviews, you're just like, wow, this is their first film out of the gate and already they did this. It's like, no, 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 there's a, there's a lot of, right. there's a lot of learning and a lot of life beforehand. Um, so, and that's why I want, I felt like this was the right time to do this program is I have been a filmmaker in the Seattle area for, you know, um, 
gosh, 15, 17 years at this point. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've, I've been doing it in this community for a long time. I've built up the relationships. I, I've honed the craft of being able to make things on a very low budget, mm-hmm. uh, a very tight crew mm-hmm. um, in a, in a, ethical way. I like to think Mm, like where people want to work with me time and time again, because I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm really conscious of like exploiting people and exploiting resources and that sort of thing. So, yeah. So like the, the making, I was able, I knew that, you know, this program is, is getting going. I'm kind of funding most of it and needing to fund this film. And so I, you know, I called in a lot of favors and Mm -hmm. called in a lot of, you know, people I've worked with for a really long time who, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they, I said, here's the script, here's what we're trying to do. They were 100% behind the mission of what we're trying to do. And we kind of came together in this joint mission to help Lisa tell this story. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we filmed it over a long weekend. I think it was Valentine's day weekend, actually, uh, (laughs) it was a a three-day weekend. And, um, we had a, gosh, it's, it's been, it was 2020 and I now have pandemic brain, so I can't right. remember everything right. uh, as well as I used to, mm-hmm. but I think like we're a kind of a crew of like 15, 20, okay. um, and we just knocked it out. And then the reason I wanted to do animation is because we have these limitations being a, mm-hmm. a, a small project that we can't film everything, but there were things, there was, uh, an emotional arc and, and things that I wanted to capture that I just really felt like the animation could help me capture at a great, at a deeper level Mm -hmm. than just doing live action alone. Plus, you know, you only have access to so many types of locations and extras and, you know, all these things. So if I, I I just literally couldn't uh, film her getting a tour of the school because I didn't have hundreds of kids that I could use (laughs) as extras um, to do that. So, so, and the little animation section can kind mm-hmm. of like give me the um, emotions of that moment, give mm-hmm. me that pacing, give me that everything I needed. Um, mm-hmm. Plus I just happen to be um, I've worked uh, a, a few times with an amazing animator, Neely Gondiaski, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, she's fantastic. And, and I knew her style would work really well for this. Um, and then also at the end of the film, as you see, I really wanted Lisa's voice to be a part of this project because this is yeah. her project. And yes, yeah. it says directed by me, but this, this is so not about, <laughs> so not about me. So I wanted to have a, cho- a chance for Lisa to talk about why, why she wanted to write this film. Yeah. And because of the, all of the legalities around, um, you know, that she is still incarcerated and there's mm-hmm. still legal issues around that. I wasn't, mm-hmm. a- I wouldn't have been able to film her. And so getting an audio recording and then have her animated, right. um, just, just really w- fit really well and also could help, uh, heighten what she was trying to say. So it just really worked out that that, uh, from very early process, the animation was going to be involved. And so I knew that going in. And so I could really, um, be exact with the way that I, uh, had this project filmed. And so I can maximize all those, those few hours that we have and, and really make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, the monologue at the end in which Lisa 
exactly talks about her inspiration and what she's hoping for and kind of how she would like to rewrite sort of her own story and, and hopes that people rewrite the sort of stories that are going on around us, I thought was, you know, it's probably the most powerful part of the whole project because uh, it's true and it's it's real, uh, you know, and there is a universal desire that I think probably everybody has to rewrite uh, parts of their past or to, you know, go down that other avenue. But uh, I'm sure it's, you know, it's it's much more keenly felt for somebody in Lisa's circumstance. And I thought it was just, it was just beautiful. And the animation worked really well as that visual link that gives us, uh, gives us something to think about even as we're listening to what Lisa had to say. So uh, yeah, I just thought it was amazing. And yeah, I'm I'm interested in uh, what your hopes are for uh, projects like this. Is are you hoping that Cher will have uh, more short films coming out of it along these lines, or is this sort of well, this this was good, and we'll just kind of see how things go in the future because you know the future is an uncertain place. Well, I I really do hope that we have more of these films in the future. But I, I want to be very mindful not to force it. Right. Um, I want to make sure that I, uh, you know, I'm my, my first uh, my first goal as a teacher is to teach. Right. And mm -hmm. is to mm -hmm. um, help that that self-discovery, that um, the healing, that the things that come with with doing screenwriting. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, if the opportunity presents itself, I absolutely want to take that to the next level because the next goal for me is, you know, and the, another reason why I want to start this program is I want to give voice to those who have, have had their voice taken from them. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I did that when I did work with the Gates foundation and family homelessness and creating films around that and mm -hmm. giving voice to, you know, um, invisible populations. And I think mm -hmm. our incarcerated po in populations are invisible and have had their voices taken from them, especially, um, you know, women that are incarcerated, right. uh, a lot of women that are, um, that I work with that, uh, in the class that are incarcerated are, you know, victims of domestic violence and, mm -hmm. um, uh, various things where they've, they've had their voices ripped away a long time ago. Um, right. and so to be able to give them that voice and to have that voice go out in a public, uh, space and to use that tool because film is a very powerful tool for connection. And mm -hmm. so if I can make films that, uh, you know, communities can see mm -hmm. i am hopefully connecting them and helping them see once again that incarcerated individuals are people that hopefully one day will come back into society right and if we can you know see them as people we can help them re-enter society again and and you know, hopefully stop the recidivism of going back to prison yeah. time and time again yeah absolutely yeah that's that's just that's really great. I mean, the there is so much dehumanization that goes on in our culture just generally, but if you think of the media representations of people who are or were incarcerated, it's it's almost always, you know, sort of the the prison gang story or the, you know, the violence and, you know, everybody seems to be sort of inhuman in, in those representations right. it's it's very flattening when in fact there are a lot of real people who you know but for the grace of god you know we could be in the same situation that they're in and yeah so it's just it's really great uh to 
be trying to give a, a voice to a very marginalized group of people in, in our culture and society. Uh, yeah, so that leads me to a question. Um, I know that there are going to be people out here who uh, are, are listening to this project and are, are excited about this, but maybe they're not in the same place where you're at, where, you know, you have, uh, you know, the opportunity to work with a population like this. Um, mm -hmm. How do you uh, go about trying to, to represent, faithfully represent people who are part of invisible populations and what would your advice be for filmmakers out there who also have that passion but aren't quite sure how to go about it yet yeah um that's a it's a very very important thing um i i mean and this is this is something that i continue to work on because you have to you have to continually check yourself mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. when you are attempting to tell story well first um you want to, in, in, in any case, try, if you are going to tell a story about uh, something that is not a personal, you know, mm -hmm. that you don't have really mm -hmm. a personal connection with, mm -hmm. you need to be very careful and very mindful and ask the question, am I the person that should be telling mm -hmm. this story? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think about that a lot because I, I am a, a white woman I am privileged. I am, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not impoverished. I'm, I'm not in prison. <laughs> like I'm not incarcerated. Right. Right. Um, and I need to be very mindful and careful because I am like, for, for instance, with Lisa, I, I'm not biracial. I'm not right. a minority. I'm not, a, I'm not a person of color. And mm -hmm. um, that's why it was so important for me that Lisa really be, you know, I'm just a conduit for her. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think we need to ask ourselves as filmmakers, you know, it, are we the right person to tell the story? And sometimes I think there, there could a case be made mm -hmm. that if you have uh, resources, like how can you use those resources to get this story made? And that not, that most of the time probably would mean you're not the one directing or telling the story, but you're using your, your, um, abilities to help mm -hmm. the, the right person tell mm -hmm. that story. Right. And maybe sometimes there is a situation where it does make sense that you're the, the person to tell the story because you can get it out in a larger scale. And of course mm -hmm. this is, uh, I am just saying very generalized statements because, you know, every single situation right. is, is, right. um, separate. But as, as someone who has worked with, I've done a lot of work with homeless populations. I've done mm -hmm. a lot of work with, um, you know, I'm doing work with incarcerated populations and you just really, really need to um, also ask yourself, am I exploiting? Am I exploiting mm, right. these stories? Right. Um, how am I using these stories? What am I getting out of using these stories? And is this actually helping the right. the people that I'm telling the stories about, or because you do, there's a power dynamic, right? When you are coming in as a filmmaker and you're interviewing someone who's on the streets, or you're interviewing someone who's incarcerated, there is already a a, a very large power difference, and there is there is a want from that individual to please and give you what you want, and they'll agree to a lot. And mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you are being very ethical with that power and you're understanding that power mm -hmm. and not just being like, well, they told me that, mm -hmm. that they were fine with it. Mm -hmm. Yes, but you have to un put yourself in the situation as to why they might be more inclined 
to tell you yes. And at the end of the day, you need to make sure that you are doing everything possible to protect that person the best way that you can. And it might be to not allow them to do something they think they want to do. And so there's, there's just a lot, there's a lot of complications with that. And it's just something that I, uh, and there's with this program, um, I have fought, uh, uh, some powers, um, larger powers that are just like, Hey, we want to buy these scripts that you're writing in this program. And we want to make them, you know, and do a little bit more like Hollywood level kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, I can't protect and make sure that those stories are protected in that situation. And I don't necessarily feel comfortable then because if I'm the one helping get these stories created and drafted, I want to make sure that I'm at least a part of every step of the process of it being made to make sure that it's being true to the person who wrote it. Yeah. Um, Because they don't, they're, they're um, unfortunately in a position where they can't make it. They're not able to be out in the world and make it. So I, and I, I don't want to just, you know, oh, well, but then these stories will get that out there and they'll get made, but are they doing, or is it, is it being made in a way that's the best way for all involved? So, so I'm very protective. I'm very protective of, um, my students. I'm very protective of people that I, you know, if I'm doing more of like a documentary thing that I'm interviewing, Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to make sure that, that this is something that down the road, they're going to look back on and be proud of. Mm -hmm. And another thing that you have to think about is, especially in like in a, in a documentary thing. Mm -hmm. And this is another reason why I wanted to use animation. Even if, if the prison allowed me to film Lisa, I still would have used animation because I don't want her to be branded as incarcerated for the rest of her life. Right. I don't want um, someone that I interview who just happened to be at the time houseless Mm -hmm. to be known as someone without a home for the rest of their lives. Because hopefully this is just a small period of time in their life of an otherwise, you know, a varied life. So you have to be really careful too about, the branding because on the internet, everything lasts forever now. So I want to make sure that anyone that I'm doing a project with, that they can look back on this 10, 15, 20 years down the road and be Mm -hmm. proud of being a part of that project and seeing Mm -hmm. themselves in that, in that place. Yeah, it is really uh, very potentially fraught with problems. And it sounds like you've you know, it's obvious as you're talking about it that you have thought long, hard, and deep about how to do this in a way that has integrity uh, to the people who you are working with. And that, you know, that's a credit to you. You know, when we have reality programming that is just so obviously artificial and yet uh that's the that's the place that people often go to as as kind of the easy way out uh having integrity can be very very difficult uh when we're trying to make something that in one respect or another is is kind of entertainment uh but entertaining people can be a way to cheapen everyone and and you know it can be a like you were saying it can be a stain on people's uh lives for for the rest of their lives because right and i don't yeah yeah and i don't judge anyone who decides to go like a reality tv route or anything like that because that may have been the best decision they could make at that time and unfortunately uh you know going the route that i do it it does, it does not get rewarded in society with money. <laughs> it does not get, you know, like the, there's a reason why people do those things. And it's a lot of times it comes down to, well, I need to feed my family. 
And that is, that's justified. And that's a reality. Um, I, I, uh, have a little more, um, anger towards the companies who exploit that. Um, that that's where, that's where my anger goes, not to the people who said yes and decided to be a part of it. Um, and also, you know, another thing that I really tried to do with in between is because I am white and I'm not a person of color and I'm telling the story about Mm -hmm. uh, a person of color and a family and and Mm -hmm. showcasing a family of color. I tried to bring in like as many people that do share that, that that life experience onto the crew Mm -hmm. so that, you know, and have them check me and ask the questions. Am I, am I, is this, is this the correct way that we would be doing this? Is this, is this accurate? Is this, you Mm -hmm. know, to um, what you think Lisa's experience would be? Cause of course, like not one person of color is a, is a spokesperson for every person of color. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really wanted to make sure that I'm surrounding myself with um, people who could better understand maybe what Lisa's trying to do than myself and really listen to that and continue to talk with Lisa the whole time um, going through the process. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I just, I think that the project, in my opinion, it's just a very beautiful project, beautiful in its purpose, beautiful in its execution. Um, And the sort of story that I that I hope there is more space for as, uh, as time goes on that, you know, we have the space as, as members of an audience that we want to watch these sorts of things and that there is more of a desire and a demand for. So, yeah, I, I think that those are kind of all of the big questions that I have. Is there anything else that you would like to give in, in part as wisdom that you've learned in the project and process or just in general uh, to filmmakers out there who are thinking about their own, their own short film projects? Oh, so much. I teach, uh, <laughs> I do a lot of teaching. And yeah. so I could give like a six hour, you know, <laughs> deep dive into um, ethical low budget filmmaking, because mm-hmm. that's something that I'm very passionate about. And I do do a lot of teaching around. But mm-hmm. really, um, the thing is, is uh, for better and worse, hopefully most often better, film is a collaborative medium and you mm-hmm. have to have uh collaborators. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's one of the things that makes it powerful. It's also one of the things that makes it really hard, like in, you know, the pandemic and everything shutting down. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even though you, we have the technology to do it all on our own, I just really encourage you to find your tribe and find those people that really, um, can help elevate you as a creative person and you elevate them as creative people. And really, if you find those people and that uh, family of people, mm-hmm. you're, you're just going to be better off for it. And we've been really lucky. Um, my husband and I have been making films together ever since the beginning. And we've um, collaborated with some of the same people for over a decade now. Yeah. Um, and they, they make us better creators and hopefully we do mm-hmm. the same for them. So that's like the best advice is like, don't try and do it all alone. Cause it gets mm-hmm. very lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and just try to find, and it doesn't have to be fellow filmmakers. Our very first short film we made with friends that had nothing to do with the film industry. You know, mm-hmm. we just had a friend who wanted to cook food and so she cooked food for us. And she also was in as an extra in the background. Mm-hmm. And then we had mm-hmm. people who, you know, were like, well, film seems interesting. I'll help out, you know, and just really threw themselves. And, and we just kind of put this hodgepodge, you know, group of people together and we made something. And you know, you just, you just got to find the people and make sure that it's something that 
that, you know, it may not be, it's okay if it's not the the best and the way you saw it in your mind, you just mm-hmm. keep trying. Cause like, as Ira Glass says, hopefully your taste is way up, up high and your skill set needs to work to get there. And if you just keep having good taste, which is what probably got you into the game in the first place, mm-hmm. you just keep failing upwards. You just keep trying to reach that, that bar of where your taste is. And so don't be afraid to, to shoot for the stars, go big and fall flat on your face and then get back up and try again. That is so true. What, uh, I think that is the word that we will end on. That has been, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Lindy, where can people find you or get in touch with you? Good question. <laughs> uh, for, <laughs> my company is First Sight Productions. So like okay. love at first sight, my husband and I, it's a company we run together. And so firstsightproductions.com is the best way to get access to all of our content um, and, and get in touch with us. We're also on Instagram as Chris and Lindy, and that's with a K, Chris, Chris and Lindy. And we're also on YouTube. We um, YouTube.com slash Chris and Lindy is where a lot of our content is. So in between when we launch it here uh, next month, uh, we'll be on our YouTube channel. Excellent. Thanks again, Lindy. And thank you all for listening to Cheat the Camera. Please comment and rate Cheat the Camera on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the best way to help spread the word. You can get in touch with me by contacting me at contact at cheatthecamera.com or on Twitter at JDHMakes. And thank you for listening.